The Birth Circle podcast features experts in all the nuanced areas of pregnancy, birth, and postpartum with the aim of helping women make the choices that will keep them safe, healthy, and empowered. We respect all birth choices and believe in supporting informed consent and evidence-based practices. Nothing said on this podcast should be taken as medical advice. You should always seek the advice of a competent professional for your care. Welcome to the Birth Circle podcast. Hi, this is Sarah with Birth Circle, and today I'm joined by Dr. Julie Diazavedo-Hanks, and we're going to be talking about prenatal, or perinatal, and postpartum mood disorders. Mm-hmm. And I'm really excited to delve into this. This is a very, very important subject to me. I personally suffered from mood disorders, both while I was pregnant and postpartum, and so many women still suffer, and the culture doesn't really understand. Right. What these, what these are. So let's start out. I mean, first of all, we all know what postpartum is. What was postpartum depression? So postpartum depression is a depressive episode that comes on uh, after birth and w- within the first year after the child is born. So some people think it has to be right after, but it can take up to a year. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Not to be undelicate, but what is this like spectrum? You know, the, you hear these terrible stories of moms hurting themselves or hurting their kids right. or these, or, you know, the advice you get from your grandma. Oh, you just, you'll just feel a little blue. I mean, mm-hmm. I just can't. So baby blues are, are normal and that's tearfulness, feeling kind of sad for a few weeks or, you know, hormones shifting. Um, sleep deprivation doesn't help new moms. No, right? I'm sure you'd get that way anyway with sleep deprivation, right? Right. right. So that's baby blues. Um, Then there's postpartum depression, which is a depressive episode. So tearfulness um, that lasts more than two weeks, low moods, uh, irritability and Mm -hmm. anger, which some people forget about that that's a symptom of depression. Um, Lack of interest in things that you used to enjoy, Mm -hmm. difficulty with eating or sleeping. Mm -hmm. Those are some of the the main symptoms. And how about when it progresses. And, and with postpartum depression, you can have thoughts of hurting your baby. Um, you can have thoughts, you know, that you're not a good enough mom, things like that. And then there's postpartum OCD, which is a postpartum onset of, of OCD, which is um, compulsions or obsessions that keep Yeah, because I think playing. OCD is like, I have to keep checking the door to make sure it's locked or counting the squares on the ceiling tiles. That's, that's, classic OCD, right? Like, I mean, that is, but that can be symptoms, but it can just be an obsession that just plays over and over and over in your mind. So some people have thoughts about, oh my gosh, I'm going to drop my baby. I'm going to drop my baby. I'm going to drop my baby, my drape baby. And then then, they can't even pick up their baby because they're going to drop their baby. So that's an OCD. So that's, it can be compulsions or thoughts, or it could be checking on your baby. I have to check every five minutes, make sure they're breathing. Oh my gosh. So it can be a behavior or just a thought that's uh, consistently coming back and you feel like you can't control. And then there's postpartum psychosis, which is um, a lot more serious. There's paranoia, confusion, possible hallucinations. Um, so that is a lot more severe. And that's when you, know, you, break with, you can break with reality and do things that are really harmful to yourself and your wow. baby. Those are the ones that make news. Right, right. Um, So some have said that that the rate of post, 
postpartum mood disorders is even up to 60% of the population. Mm. So if 60% of women suffer from some part of the spectrum, then as a culture, I would think we would pay more attention to it and stigmatize it less, but mm-hmm. I know that we we don't. Right. There's there's stigma regarding mental health issues across the lifespan, uh, but I think there's particular pressure on new moms to live up to this ideal of blissful, you know, oh, isn't this wonderful? We have this mm-hmm. new baby. Everything's perfect. Oh, hey, I want to even go back yeah. about those things, about getting pregnant. So first oh, okay. of all, okay, you get you get pregnant and then everybody is just overjoyed for you. You've tried to get pregnant and and you're excited. And then all of a sudden you decide you don't like this thing growing inside you. Yeah. Yeah. And this is a bad mistake. And what have I done? Yeah. I, I feel like I feel horrible. I don't feel like myself. So this is this is something that women actually experience. Yeah. Yeah, well, unwanted pregnancies, surprise pregnancies, or sometimes changing, like you're describing, being excited and then thinking, oh my gosh, I'm having second thoughts and it's... it's But who do you voice that to? You can't... Because of the culture... Bad mom, you're a bad mom, right? You tell your partner and they're like, what do you... Are you kidding me? We just spent a bazillion dollars in IVF or or we tried for six months, whatever, and now you don't want this? That's... You know, how do you voice that? Right. And then also, what do you, what do you tell your baby? I mean, you have this thing growing inside you and what do you, what is that? You know, you're telling your baby you're not wanted, I but think it's, it's confusing. I think it's really important to recognize that ambivalent feelings during pregnancy and afterward are totally normal and totally common. And it doesn't mean you're a bad person and it doesn't mean you're a bad mom. Ambivalent meaning like you're fluctuating. Like, like mixed feelings about it. Like mm. you can sometimes be excited and sometimes like, what have I done? <laughs> because know? honestly, what have you done? <laughs> right. <laughs> no one knows what you've done. <laughs> no one knows what they've done until you actually go through it. Right? I, I don't know. I'm getting teenagers and I'm still wondering, like, what was I thinking? <laughs> During a, an exceptionally difficult time, one of my sisters and I were um, lamenting, like, who thought, who said having children was a good idea? This is the worst this idea is a terrible ever. idea. It's horrible. I was actually telling my parents, you know, lamenting about my teenagers and my preteens that are acting like teenagers. And they said, so we have a secret. We didn't want to tell you all this stuff <laughs> because after all the effort we put into raising you, we really wanted grandbabies. And I was like, are you kidding? <laughs> we were we were going to warn you, but then we thought you may not we have need babies. And I was like, <laughs> like how selfish. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, mom. Just like, I always wish you'd have one just like you. So now I ha- I am. <laughs> Thanks, mom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it it is it is okay to have ambivalent feelings while you're pregnant. Yeah, it's totally normal. And mm-hmm. and if you start voicing those feelings to other people who've been there, you realize you're not alone, but it's it's easy to feel like I'm the only one. Yeah, yeah. All right, and then postpartum, when does it hit? So oh, it can hit. Or what are, what are the signs and symptoms that you've, you know? Of postpartum? Yeah. Well, we, we kind of already talked. No, but I mean, like, when do they hit and how do you know? Does it does it happen right after the baby's born? It or can happen it? right up, up until a year. So right after and then up until a year uh, after the child's born. Some symptoms can come on quickly. Sometimes they're more gradual. It just really depends on the individual woman. Got it. And does having it in a previous previous birth make it more likely you'll have it again? Yes. Or is any, it- any history of anxiety or depression during birth or after or 
just any time during your life is a risk factor. Do you think birth trauma plays a part in this? Definitely, definitely. Um, Birth trauma, having a child who has medical issues, the stress of that, uh, our understanding is that postpartum mood disorders are a combination of biological and environmental factors. Mm. And so having a stressful birth, a traumatic birth, or a child who has a lot of medical needs can be a stressor that can uh, kind of trigger, trigger that. It. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's break it up for the first year. You can have it, but let's break it up right after the baby's born. So the first three months, um, how does somebody support a mom or watch for signs in the first three months mm-hmm. that something is going on. Yeah. So one of the the social indicators is withdrawal. So a lot of moms want time with the baby, but that's different than kind of avoiding people, not wanting people to come over ever. So there's this isolation that happens, mm-hmm. this uh, pushing people away. So watch for that. Watch for uh, any significant changes in behavior, mm-hmm. tearfulness all the time. Yeah, all the time. <laughs> right. Maybe um, eating changes mm-hmm. uh, yeah, in like diet. Yeah, like I mentioned before, eating, mm-hmm. sleep. sleeping changes. Sleep. sleep is hard to monitor when you have a newborn, right? Yeah. But sleep deprivation can also be uh, a factor in in postpartum mood disorders. Yeah. And making comments about the baby. I mean, I guess it's you said it's okay to be ambivalent. So if a mom says, oh, I just really don't like that baby, is that something to be worried about or or just kind of watch? Or Yeah, I, I would watch. Um, I think just one comment is different than kind of a series of like, this mom is not bonding with the baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this mom really doesn't like their child. Mm-hmm. It's not just a difficult period. I, I will just go a little personal for a minute. And yeah. when I suffered post, what I now understand to be postpartum OCD, it was completely hidden. And even when I tell my family members and even my husband that what I was suffering, he he's kind of surprised mm-hmm. at how quiet and, you know, that there were no signs. It was because I was, I was still friendly and I didn't have a change in eating and didn't lose weight, you know, unexpectedly. I... Um, but what I would do is he would go to work and I'd go back to bed and put the baby in his crib so it didn't hurt it. Mm. That's not very healthy. Right, right. <laughs> and there were no signs. I think um, it wasn't until my third that I confided in my midwife while while I was pregnant that I always suffered. Because, mm-hmm. you know, after two, you think, well, this is my life. Yeah. And um, she said, well, what is your plan at postpartum? Who is going to be there supporting you? Who's bringing your meals? Who's cleaning your house? And I was like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. And um, she showed up on my doorstep. Uh, I don't know. My baby was three or four weeks in, in her grubbies and said, what are we cleaning today? Mm-hmm. And she held my baby. And that one coming into my world, forcing herself, forced entry into my world right. and just kind of disrupting the um, thought patterns that were developing. Mm-hmm. And I think um, completely shifted that postpartum mm. and it ended up just being like baby blues depression instead of going down the cycle right and I think right. that what I learned <laughs> in hindsight right is to just say something to somebody right mm. but if the culture doesn't accept what you say so this is yeah. what why we're doing this podcast yeah. if you're listening in your if you're pregnant please have your birth team listen to this so they can kind of rally around you mm-hmm. right and ask if you know someone who um, has just had a baby you can ask like have you had any disturbing thoughts about your baby or you, like if you have that, that's really common and let's talk mm. about it. 
Wow. Oh my gosh. Brain exploding. Because if somebody had asked me that with the first, I'd be like, what are you talking about? How how did you know I wanted to, (laughs) I would feel a little alarmed. Yeah. But wow, I'd feel very cared for. And you'd be like, how, yeah, how did you know? Wait a minute. Yes. How did you? (laughs) And it breaks, it breaks. It wasn't until I saw Brooke Shields on Oprah that I was like, there's a word for this. Mm -hmm. You know, (laughs) there's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. So then um, later, if, if you first three months are great, but then three to six months, things start happening. What what do those signs look like? It's kind of just the same, same? symptoms of depression. Yeah. Yeah. Um, s- sleeping problems, eating problems. So if there's like significant weight gain or weight loss, uh, irritability is is a big one. Sadness, hopelessness, feeling like a failure, feeling like you're a horrible mom. Because this issue is so dear to me, I've had many, many conversations with women about it. And some things they'll say, um, so tell me if this is along the spectrum, they'll say um, they have thoughts about that just don't make sense about things pertaining to the baby, like vaccines or obsessing over their... um, the poop color or mm-hmm. um, pumping and bottle feeding because they're obsessed about the food situation mm-hmm. They They want to make sure their baby is getting or, you know, these, these things that just seem a little. It's more OCD. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's the OCD. Yep. Uh-huh. Yep. And then the, the psychosis would be um, the, the hearing voices mm-hmm. and, and, and paranoia, wondering if, if you're being watched, wondering if that your house is bugged, <laughs> like just kind of way out there yes. ideas. Yes, I had a mom recently um, confide in me that she, her postpartum was raging for three or four months until she said the clouds parted. Mm-hmm. But she said she couldn't even think in a full sentence in her head, mm-hmm. and she couldn't shower. She could barely eat. Mm-hmm. So lack of self-care, confusion, those are also symptoms that you're bringing up. Um, not being able to think clearly or concentrate. Yeah, all while having a screaming newborn. Right. No problem. We've got this. And and the, this breaks the kid, right? Because then they can't bond with their mom, right? It doesn't break the okay, kid. Okay, good. I was leaving you on that one. <laughs> because that was no, one of my doesn't. guilt things is mm-hmm. that, you know, because I'm struggling, maybe my baby won't bond mm-hmm. correctly. And, and then, you know, my kids will be ruined for life. So that bonding is really important. And luckily, kids are resilient. And that's why treatment is so important. Because you can kind of establish that as soon as possible. Um, You do want to be responsive to your baby. And so if you're feeling apathy, if you're feeling uh, like you don't want to be around your baby, reach out and get help. Yeah. Okay. So that's a great segue. So now we've talked a little bit about what the outsiders can, you know, tell Mm -hmm. about you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Now, what can you tell about you? How do you know when you're going down the slippery slope? Because I feel, I call it a slippery slope because I think once you bathe your brain in these chemicals long enough, like changes start to be like more long lasting. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can have a crappy day, but it doesn't mean you have chronic depression. Right. But, uh, you know, you cascade down this slide. And yeah. so what are the... What so are you're the looking things? for patterns. You're looking for patterns of negativity, patterns of um, self-neglect, of uh, hopelessness. So you're looking for patterns. If it lasts, you know, a couple of days, it's baby blues. But if it's lasting more than two weeks, it's likely something else, post- postpartum anxiety or postpartum OCD, postpartum depression, those kind of things. So watch your feelings of hopelessness. Uh, watch your obsessive thoughts. Thoughts about hurting your baby are really common. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's part of OCD. So. I remember um, when I finally 
when the clouds had parted for me, I thought, oh my goodness, I forgot what it felt like to be me. I forgot what mm-hmm. it felt like to like feel whole. And there was always this part of me back in the back of my head going, this isn't okay, this isn't okay. But the bigger part of me that was not okay was louder than mm-hmm. that small part. And I just remember I was driving down the freeway and I thought, oh, it was almost really like the clouds parted and <laughs> this back. ray of light. It was just, and it was, I was like, oh my goodness, this is me. Now I feel like me. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, after being the pre- being pregnant for so long, you forget what your body feels like. Yeah. <laughs> and then birth, you forget what sleep feels like. So it's, it's for me, it felt like it was, hard to see where that that slope started it's really hard and that's why having people around you that yeah observing sometimes they can see it more clearly because you're just in the trenches of newborn you know sleep deprivation just trying to figure that out i think also too so many times our culture um you've talked a lot about this on your your blog and other podcasts but our culture it tries to come in and uh, somebody will come in and say, well, that's not the way I did it. Or, mm. or you should do this or you should do that. For me, it was actually a, a thyroid balance oh, problem wow. that once it was corrected, the, the clouds parted mm-hmm. almost immediately. And mm. so, I mean, but that was, that was me. I've heard other, you know, but, but somebody would come in, well, you just need to go, oh, one of the worst pieces of advice is you just need to get out of the house. Well, right. I'm an introvert. I actually didn't need to get out of the house. That gave me a lot of anxiety. So maybe not that advice. Yeah. 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 There aren't simple solutions. Um, the best thing you can do for someone suffering is is be there for them. Listen, validate. Listen. And do some of the practical things. Watch their baby so they can take a nap. <laughs> Don't give advice. Clean their shower. <laughs> I mean, I already don't shower, but to get into a clean, clean shower. shower. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ask laundry. what would feel really, what would be most useful for me to help you with? Yeah. Or I'm doing your laundry. Just tell them. What, or just tell know. them. Yeah. I mean, because if it, you just do their laundry, who's going to complain? That's right. not offering any advice or anything, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, what are some of the ways to treat you know, before we move on, I just wanted to talk a little bit about um, stressful events during mm. and after birth can be a very, like, if you're going through a divorce or you've had a death in the family, those kind of things. Or your husband's also, deployed. Right. Those kind of um, There's a health events, concern with your baby. Mm-hmm. Can, can also add stress and be part of this equation. And then also uh, relationship distress. So if if you're with the baby's partner and you're having relationship problems already, that is a risk factor for uh, postpartum definitely, disorders. Definitely. And I've heard you speak uh, to this about talking with the partner, sitting down the partner. So what, what can you do? Uh, mother-in-laws and birth team and friends aside, what mm-hmm. kind of conversation can you have with your partner? Well, you can set down the expectation that they're a partner, that this isn't you and the baby. That wait, this, wait, wait, wait. This isn't just mom's job? <laughs> exactly. Wait. That they're, you know, if you have a partner, there are two parents. And it's not just mom's job to care for baby and house and everything else. It's that this is a partnership. Mm-hmm. And talk about expectations and who's going to do what and when... Uh, the partner's going to have a turn caring for the baby, so you, so you can have a Yeah, what break happens when it's hunting season? 
Well, the, you'd say you're not going <laughs> hunting this season because we have a new baby. It's, it's hunting season right now. So I've, <laughs> I've been watching the, the boards on Facebook and I'm like, oh, women. <laughs> it's, need- it's okay to expect your partner to be a partner yeah. in, in this experience. This is not just mom and baby. And there are lots of benefits for men to have close contact with infants. It, ch- it actually changes their hormones. It raises the oxytocin to have close contact with babies. So the cuddle hormone so <laughs> it's it's so important and babies don't just need moms that's kind of a myth right in our in our culture is you mm-hmm. know oh he's just baby it's like you know dads dads can make a big difference too i don't know how the dads look at at the the moms but i know as a mom seeing my my husband throw that little infant over his shoulder and walk walk the driveway until she fell asleep. It was so hot, Mm. so sexy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Totally. It's like, you just, yeah, so good for the baby, but also good for the mom because because she she can feel supported. Yeah, it's good for the dad, for the mom and the baby. Yeah. So require your partner, if you have one, to participate actively in caring for the baby and caring for the household chores. Yeah, maybe even a chart with stickers. (laughs) <laughs> no stickers. Okay. Chart. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I just, yeah. Over the years, my husband has stepped up way more, but I think it wasn't because he was being selfish or, or uh, he was just naive. Nobody right. ever expected him. I mean, he wasn't raised in a family where there were a ton of kids and he had to have any type of responsibility over them. And so, mm-hmm. you know, he just didn't. Didn't know. So you can require, again, I just sound like a broken record. No, but say it requ- again. Require more times. your partner to participate. I like to think of and have them take over a domain. Yeah, I was going to say, and house. can it be their idea too? You can say, babe, what, I mean, I've been up all night feeding this baby. What, what can you do to help this balance, yeah. this equation balance. So have them take over a, an entire domain. So for example, in my family, my husband is over food. He does grocery Ooh, shopping. Yeah. He does plan Sunday meals. He pl- like he's that's his. He, he thing. keeps the chocolate cabinet stashed. Yes, exactly. So I don't have to track if we have chicken for dinner. Oh, bless I, him. So or or laundry. Take over the mm-hmm. clothing domain, like buying new clothes and washing the clothes that you have. So take over something. Making sure that everybody has clothing that fits, that's the right size in the right season. That is a full-time job. (laughs) So take over an entire domain. Yeah. Because a lot of times what happens is husbands will say, well, what do you want me to do to help you? And we don't use the word help in my family. No. Like help you. It's like, this is our house. This is our family. Well, so many women complain that their husband's just another child. And I'm like, that's such, you're missing out. And I... I completely get where they're coming from Mm because I felt that way too early. But I think it's just because culturally we haven't set up this expectation of partnership. Yeah. So take over a domain and then the woman doesn't have to track it and do all the mental and emotional labor. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I'm very, very grateful that my husband takes care of most of the kids' laundry. That has been a gift, yes. (laughs) But that's been a recent... Yeah. Yeah. So... um. So how about treatments? Treatment, yes. Uh, Psychotherapy, counseling. And what is psychotherapy? So counseling, talk therapy. So there are different kinds that have been found to be really effective with postpartum uh, mood disorders. So cognitive behavioral therapy is one type of therapy. And what kind of therapy is that? That's where you look at your thoughts and your beliefs, and you kind of dissect those Ah. and recognize which thoughts are getting in the way of you 
kind of feeling better and behaving. So that's in a cogn- more way. cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always get all these things mixed up. So that's I wanna, okay. That's well, I want to get it <laughs> straight because it really what you use is really important, right? And if you go to someone who works with women and women's uh, mental health, they'll know what works. Well, but also if you go in, it's not working. It mm-hmm. may just because that modality isn't your drive, right? So right. you just gotta right. Okay, so and group therapy is group therapy is, is another big. Yes. Uh, and I Knowing think- that you're sitting in a room with, <laughs> uh, with 20 other women that think like you do, it's so empowering. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there's some other modalities, but CBT is kind of the main one that's used. And then medication, of course, is, mm-hmm. is often used as a treatment. What about, does that affect breastfeeding or? It can. And that's, that's something that you and your medical provider need to look at the risks versus the benefits. There are risks to having depression and being in Exactly. <laughs> so there are risks. I just, I just go back to the story that I, that I just, just recently um, learned about with one of uh, a woman that, that confided in me and that her OCD was just raging so strong that she felt like medication was going to um, ruin her breastfeeding and that would ruin her baby and that it would destroy her gut and mess with her head. And so she was really resistant to medication when she was just flat out, like on the floor, unable mm. to cope. And her, her, her mom just didn't know what to do. She wouldn't take the medication. So she just kind of you know, spoon fed her and sponge bathed her and hoped for the best. And they mm-hmm. thought, man, we're going to lose her. <laughs> there are risk so, factors in not getting treatment. Exactly. So you have to weigh the risks uh, of taking medication and some there are more risks. than. And others. are they addictive medications? They're not addictive. No. So you can just take them as long as you need them till the clouds right. part and then, and then get off them. And then you, yeah. And you have to get off them. You have to wean off of ah, cold turkey. Many, many of them. So yeah. make a plan with your medical provider. If you're planning on going off medication, plan it with your medical provider. And don't just go cold turkey. That can create more problems sometimes. So. And then some of the other things, like mine was actually a thyroid disorder. Mm-hmm. So I learned this later. And again, this is not medical advice, but I thought it was very interesting that the progesterone, the placenta, uh, takes over a lot of the hormone productions while you're pregnant. Mm-hmm. And for somebody with a um, lazy thyroid like mine, during pregnancy, my my levels were great because my my placenta was doing such a good job. And then once the placenta's gone, my body's like, what? Oh, <laughs> it's like a teenager asking like to clean crash. up. <laughs> yeah. And, mm-hmm. and um, so I just needed that little bump up and then the clouds parted. And that was super, super simple. I don't yeah. know if uh, there were some unhealthy thoughts, but at the same time, how do you divide your thoughts from like a chemical problem? Right. It, you can't. It's, it's all kind of mixed together. <laughs> And there's really no way to sort out what's what, but it's usually a mixture of um, biological and psychological and environmental and, you know, everything contributing. And I never speak in hyperbole except when I do. So I feel personally that postpartum mood disorder is completely curable. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Like nobody should have to suffer. It's, it's, there's it's treatable. It. The treatment's effective. And this isn't something that you got, you know, you earned right. <laughs> as a punishment right. or as <laughs> this is treatable and you can get. You it's can just get like any other mental health issue. It's like it, get treatment, get treatment. There's help. That's why people like me exist to help you. <laughs> Yeah. So what are the things we could do as a culture? I know we've talked a little bit, but let's, let's talk more about the culture in as a large American culture mm-hmm. and, and our view of postpartum, the postpartum period. I know a lot of other countries, they, they treasure 
the postpartum period and they treat their moms a lot differently than we do. Mm. But in America as a whole, we have this cultural... We have this unrealistic expectation that moms will leave the hospital in their skinny jeans and just be kind of back to back to work in two weeks or... Well, that's what the celebrities do. Well, yeah. And... and, <laughs> and People with limited financial resources often have to to survive. Yeah, that's true. Because we don't have um, universal parental leave. Mm -hmm. And so depending on your financial situation, a lot of women have to go back to work. And so we, we don't... Um, we don't support this time of life very well no. as, a, as a broader culture. And then we idealize parts of it like, you know, how you're going to look afterward and, yeah. and how you're going to feel. You're going to just love this time. And, and it, it's really conf conflicting for a lot of people. And it's really hard. And breastfeeding is hard. And it's awkward. Yeah. And, and you're, you don't feel like yourself. And um, I think if we just normalize, if we we need to support women more during this time. Mm -hmm. And we need to also allow for a broader range of experience yeah. to be normal. Well, for me, I, I went back to work with all of my babies. Mm -hmm. My By the time I had my fourth, it was just, it was kind of slow because there was four kids under six. It was, I, I did oh, that wow. to myself. <laughs> yeah, that was a choice I made. <laughs> but for the first three, I, I filmed, um, I, I'm a filmmaker mm -hmm. and I filmed for a client on my due date with my third. And when she was two days old, I did a three day shoot out of, out of town. And I was, I was well acquainted with my breast pump. So I thought it would be fine. You know, mm -hmm. I had everything ready, but, um, it, but I got a lot of flack for in my church community mm -hmm. and in my family uh, for going back to work so fast. But mm. I mean, we were still in school. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we, the collective, me and my husband, and as we, like, I couldn't you, turn down a client. Yeah. I couldn't, you know, I had to go back to work and, and I got severely criticized for it. And I thought maybe I'm a selfish mom. Maybe I'm putting my career before my kids. Or your financial welfare. Or my financial welfare. <laughs> Which is for your children. Yeah, weird. Yeah. <laughs> and then I realized later that it um, that I do better when I'm not a full-time mom. Mm -hmm. And I say that kind of, it's a whisper, like, is it still okay to think that? Yeah. But I am I am the partner that's that works from home. Mm -hmm. And I am there most of the time. I just picked up a baby from school today who was sick. Mm -hmm. And that's my job. Mm -hmm. But I work. Yeah. And that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I often will say my life doesn't revolve around my kids. <gasps> like, wait, but you're supposed to be the guru. We're all supposed to look up to you. <laughs> we do. We so, do. <laughs> no, don't, don't look up to me. <laughs> but my, my children are a huge part of my life, but my life doesn't revolve entirely around them. And I think that's perfectly fine. Wait, wait. So if your child comes to you at nine o'clock at night because they forgot to do a certain assignment or they need, you know, a certain outfit clean for picture day the next day. I say, go put your stuff in the laundry. <laughs> they wash their own clothes. So, right. And I would say, oh, that's a, that's a bummer. Um, you know, you have the next hour. I'm here to help you. Tell me what you need. Yep. And at 10 o'clock, I'm done. And so, yeah. you know, figure it out. <laughs> Yeah, because you've worked the whole time you've had babies too, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've owned my own businesses for the most part. So until recent, I mean, I still own a business and I'm a, I'm now a professor too. Um, 
So I have a I have a boss for the first time in a long time. <laughs> That's weird. No, it is weird, but it's still flexible schedule, yeah. which which I really like. But I I know who I am. I know that uh, I need to have work and creative outlets. Mm-hmm. And then I we planned our our family. We had two at a time. Because I just really felt like I could only parent two at wow, a time. Wow, that was so enlightened. Where were you <laughs> 20 years ago when I so started this? we had this? two, and then almost a decade later had two more. We started young, so we were able to have that. So I have kind of two families, and it's been, for me, it's been really fun. Uh, it's worked for me and my husband. Wow, and that's so cool. Yeah, I, I just, when we were thinking about having a third, I felt a lot of social pressure to have more. You do. In, in Utah mm-hmm. culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that's a really bad reason to have a baby. It's a terrible reason to have a baby. And I want to have a baby when it sounds fun and I'm excited about it. And it took about eight or nine years. <laughs> Until it sounded so. good again. <laughs> that's awesome. And meanwhile, the whole time your baby... The other thing too is... Um, so going back, we need to support women... Uh, who have to go back to work. Oh, totally. But also the ones that want to go back to work. Mm-hmm. It's, it's... And don't make assumptions. I had a friend Oh, yes, that's oh, it. Oh, have you told your boss you're quitting yet? And I'm like, I'm quitting? <laughs> that I... No, I'm not quitting. I'm going back to work. Yeah. And your baby's going to be fine. Yeah. So I think there are so many different ways to do motherhood. And we need to stop kind of putting women in boxes... Well, we do it to ourselves. Why Why do women, I think we're our worst. Well, culture does it to us too. It's not just personal. Mm. It's, it's a societal thing. Like we put women in boxes. We think of women as roles instead of as human beings. Ouch. So I always say motherhood is a relationship, not a role. Whoa. Motherhood is a relationship, not a role. That's, wow. And so it's, you're not doing this checklist of behaviors, you're interacting with another human being and having a relationship. That's what motherhood is. And if you put it that way, then a relationship can have things that need to be fixed. Mm-hmm. And a role, it's it's more stationary. You can't, right. there's requirements. There's but a relationship, there's much more flexibility. Right. And so uh. you do what's best for the relationship. And the older I get, the more I, I think about what a good mother is. I think that it's like, do my children feel known? Do they feel heard? Do they feel appreciated? Not According to cookies? my 10-year-olds, <laughs> I am the worst mother. Okay, well, then you better work on that. <laughs> We've talked about the emancipation uh, procedure if she wants to go that route. <laughs> I love it. I love it. There, there. I feel like I'm such a good mom because I've let her know she can actually petition the judge to... She's like, if you make me do my laundry, can I complain to the judge about that? And I'm like, yes, yes, you can. Yes. And they'll laugh at you. <laughs> oh. That's funny. But supporting supporting our moms and supporting the supporters too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like um, moms need maternity leave oh, and so yes. do dads. So do Paterni- partners. Yeah. Paternity leave. Partnerly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or partner leave, I think is is really important and we're the only industrialized country that doesn't have it universally. Yeah. So it kind of that speaks as a, as a small value. business owner, I um there's no way I could support a paid leave. That would mm-hmm. be beyond my means and mm-hmm. so many um small businesses are in the same position but at the same time I do my best to support my employees like with unlimited time off and mm-hmm. family time yeah. unpaid, but there's other opportunities to make up hours and things. Yeah. Cause I feel like, you know, when, when you got to feed, you got to feed and right. you know, you gotta, 
you got to nurse when you, if that's, if that's the choice you've made. And so to provide other opportunities, but I know so many employers, they don't, I'm just way more enlightened. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) I mean, you know, because because I've been there and I know how hard it is. And and can we talk about that a little bit? A mom um, going into her workplace and saying, this is what's going to happen. And would you support me? And I would like to pump or I would like to have two hour lunches so I can go home and nurse or like, can they, can people have these conversations? Yeah, I think they should. In fact, it's really cool. At, um, Utah Valley University, they just put in a lactation pod in, Wait, the, what? in the building on the floor where I my office is. And it's this little pod, and I haven't been inside of it, but I'm assuming it has plugs for, you know, uh-huh. outlets for pumps. And it's like this little private space where women can go and either and breastfeed or pump. Isn't that cool? Wow. That's really nice. I know. I was I was so proud of the school. <laughs> just wow. like because I have students right now who well, I have one that just had a baby, like in the middle of the semester. Yeah, yeah. So. To support, yeah. Oh man, and so many people have babies um, during school, during school, oh. and or or working. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's important to ask for what you need. Mm-hmm. And, and you don't be, have to explain it even. <laughs> just yeah. like this, I need a lot. I know I read lunch. it. I read and I, I troll these groups just watching. I don't comment <laughs> a lot. But but one mom that was just lamenting over her, her um, boss asked her to clock out um, to plug in her breast pump and that she had to go into the bathroom to do it. And she was just she was just beside herself. And everybody mm-hmm. was giving her really great advice. They're saying, just what's the culture of your business? If there's a lot of water cooler, cooler chatter, then you should be able to go to your boss and say, I'm just going to plug in my pump and have it at the desk. It's quiet. And, mm-hmm. you know, but if you're an air traffic controller, maybe that's not appropriate. So context, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be distracted during certain business. Yeah, uh, but just have a com- but the fact that this mom just felt so powerless mm-hmm. to talk to her employer. I just thought, I don't know, is that a again it, a culture thing? It, what is yeah, that? there's there are cultures that are a lot friendlier than others, and so it. I think it's really hard. Um, but but I think we're moving in a good direction. People yeah, I think being we are more aware. Did of- you have you seen the meme? I don't know if you're in my circles, probably not. But I <laughs> saw this meme recently that just said we should um, stop giving baby showers and start throwing postpartum parties. Mm. I was like, oh yeah, can you imagine? You bring a freezer meal and everybody takes a chore and they clean the mom's house and then they and then they all eat chocolate together. That sounds like. Dream. That sounds great. Doesn't it? Yeah, the baby doesn't need anything really, like a really? diaper and a onesie and a blanket. You know, We're good. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and postpartum circles where you gather around the, the mom mm-hmm. and from yeah, other cultures have various yeah rituals that they do to kind of shore the mom up and mm-hmm. close her up and yeah yeah very I think cool it's beautiful. I am very encouraged by what I've seen. I mean, just in the fifteen years that I've been having babies, the difference in the dialogue mm-hmm. that people are willing to go. Yeah. <laughs> Even 15 years. I mean, for me to not know the word postpartum depression until I saw an Oprah seems a little crazy right. to our Facebook world now, but yeah, I had never even heard the term. Yeah. It was pre-Facebook. Right <laughs> Now there's a, there are a lot of, um, there's a lot of education being done, a lot yep. of blogging, a lot of therapists on social media uh, There's a lot of education that needs to happen for the older generation. Mm-hmm. So like if you have a mom or a mother-in-law coming to your birth, she may not know any of these things because when she was giving birth to you, she, she might had, have been just knocked out and <laughs> yeah, knocked out. She had to wear a muumuu. She couldn't tell anybody she was pregnant. She, you know, yeah. did you know it was actually 
if you got pregnant as a stewardess, as a flight attendant, mm-hmm. you had to quit your job. Mm. They wouldn't allow pregnant women. Wow. It's like, mm. Wow. Yeah. So, or even married women. I think it was married women. Anyway, <laughs> check my sources. But it's, um, yeah. times have changed. Yeah. Things are changing slowly but surely. And I think there's just a lot more awareness about options around birth. So women feel more empowered. And I think that is really positive. Yeah. You feel in charge of your experience instead of like it's some things are happening to you. Uh, you know, yeah. you're kind of taking the lead. Yeah, yeah. That you're not just um, being acted upon. Mm-hmm. You can, well, th- then for my fourth, I had no postpartum. Um, I maybe felt a little wonked with the hormones, but mm-hmm. man, I just gave birth. That's, but I didn't have any moments of just crushing sadness mm-hmm. or any intrusive thoughts or anything. And I think it's because first of all, I told my mom, I was like, "You are not leaving for at least two weeks," because mm. she she would always come for a week. But I'm like, "I need you for two, two. <laughs> yeah, and this is two. crucial." Yeah, and she stayed, and it was such a such a gift. My mom is um, a great housekeeper and a great cook, and she just she just kept everything you know mm. humming along while I could just lay out in the bed. Just That's great. like what the heck just happened to me? And um, that I think that made all the difference. I bet so, just having, having that support and yeah. Uh, yeah, we need to support our new moms so much better than we do. So let's talk about all the amazing resources that have just popped up in the last 10 years that that you can take advantage of. Yeah, so there are lots of, I mean, if you Google postpartum depression, you can find organizations. There's Postpartum Support International um, is the one that comes to mind, but just Google postpartum depression support and you can find support groups, you can find resources, you can find helplines. Um, I'm Googling it right are now. Are you? Yeah. What are you finding? Um, there's, yeah, Postpartum Support International, mm-hmm. PSA. I mean, forever my spell check couldn't even spell postpartum. It wasn't even known in my dictionary. I remember how oh, yeah. long ago that was. Um, uh, there's So Postpartum Support International looks They're like great. they have chapters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tons of chapters. Man, they have the first like 10 listings. Postpartum Health Alliance. There's also... Um, you can just get on Facebook and find groups. Find yeah, just search mm-hmm. groups for so birth circle. Mm-hmm. That's this huge nationwide thing now. It actually started about eight years ago in mm-hmm. a, in a postpartum circle here oh. in my community, and women would gather together and talk wow. about our stuff. <laughs> and there was there was um, milk sharing, and there was story sharing, and there was oh. tear sharing. There was mm-hmm. all sorts of you know, and those women. They bonded. That probably really helped with my fourth too, but there are so many women that just, they're my fast friends even to this day because we went through this together. Yeah. And talking to your medical or health provider is really a great resource. And if your medical provider doesn't, can I say this, doesn't give you the answer you want? Like what? Well, I mean, um, you could, it could go both ways. You could ask a doctor for help and they could just slap a drug on you. And you're like, no, I wanted to be listened to. Mm. Or you could go to a provider and she just wants to listen. You're like, no, I need a drug. Mm-hmm. So you can advocate for yourself and say, <clears throat> I, I know that medication is an option. I also know that therapy is an option. So I would like to go this route first or. Yeah. It's not working. Let's try something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Advocate for yourself. Yeah. Very cool. And how do people learn more about you? At drjuliehanks.com and at drjuliehanks on social media. So at drjuliehanks.com. And I've listened to many of your podcasts and they're amazing. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Just thank you. you have a very grounded perspective and you bring a lot of, um, you're able to bring a lot of diverse 
um, perspectives and just kind of Oh, thank bring you. I into, appreciate that. Yeah. So yeah, a lot of I do a lot of podcast interviews. They're all on my website. Yep, drjuliehaines.com. Awesome. And do you have a um, um you have is it Wasatch? Wasatchfamilytherapy.com and that's a great resource too. We have a blog so for people that are out outside of Utah, mm-hmm. we have a blog that has resources for relationship and family, parenting, mental health. So lots of good stuff there. Yeah, check out our website and see kind of what what's available, and then um, look for that in your area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. so that's wasatchfamilytherapy.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. It's been Sarah. such a great discussion. Thanks. Please visit us at birthcircle.com, join our Facebook groups, or find us on Instagram and Pinterest. We hope you'll use our resources to support your birthing experience. And thank you to LaunchPod Media, who produces these podcasts.